I want to preach to you a message this morning that I've entitled, There's More Than Meets the Eye. Uh, so I read a long time ago, I, I, I took this season of my life that I was sort of fascinated by the whole story of the Titanic. And uh, in going back and doing some reading, and you may remove, remember there was a movie Hollywood put out their depiction of what that fateful night was like. Uh, several years ago, my family and, and I got to go through the uh, the actual Titanic Museum of all of the relics that used to, and it traveled around the country, and we got to uh, had the privilege of going and to through that museum. Uh, there's actually one in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Now it's quite interesting. We've done that uh, in recent years uh, along with the family. But the one thing about the Titanic, we we all know it when we think about the ship, but we know that the ship would not have sunk had the ship n- not collided with an iceberg. Now, when we think about that and we consider that, I begin to look at the iceberg, and and icebergs are sort of fascinating to me anyway. When you begin to study the iceberg, you find that that when you... that the iceberg itself, as mountainous as it may seem, and I've never seen one in person, mind you, but in pictures and movies and things, when you see that iceberg, you see this big mountain of ice projecting up out of the water. But what is even more fascinating is that's only, uh, on the average, one-tenth of the size of the iceberg. In other words, 90% more lies underneath the surface of the water. There's 90% that you really don't see. There's more to the iceberg, if you would, than meets the eye. So when we think about this, that's along the lines I want to preach to you this morning. This is a message about end time, by the way. Uh, This is a message about... That there's more to meet the eye than what we're really seeing in our day and time. Although, granted, we are seeing much, much more than we probably were just a few years ago. So, there's more going on behind the scenes in the realm of God and in the spiritual realm than we could ever imagine. If you have your Bibles, I want you, I got actually quite a bit of scriptures to read this morning. <clears throat> I want you to turn to the book of Romans chapter 1. The book of Romans chapter 1. And ordinarily I would read from the New International Wording. But uh, this morning I'm going to be reading from the NLT simply because of its uh, of its plain spoken uh, forward way of presenting this particular passage scripture. scripture. Romans chapter 1, begin reading at verse 18. The scripture reads, But God shows His anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because He has made it obvious to them. You know, God reveals His... I don't pause right there. Insert this thought in your mind. God reveals Himself to every person in some capacity. They know the truth about God because He's made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they clearly see His invisible qualities. You know, I've been asked the question before. I, I, 
pastor or preacher? What do you think happens to, to like the Native American Indians and that, that, that never saw a missionary, never heard anybody preach a gospel or the, the, some of the portions of the earth that are still unreached? I, I take to heart this scripture that forever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky and through everything God made, they have clearly, they can clearly see his invisible qualities. His eternal power and His divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. I don't believe there's a person that will leave, has left, or will leave this earth that has not or will not have the opportunity to know and become familiar with God. Let's go on. Verse 21, yes, they knew God. But they wouldn't worship Him as God, nor even give Him thanks. And they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-loving God, they worshiped idols made to look like Mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So, listen to this. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. How sad and ending that God would abandon. Now, wait a minute. Preacher, we're living in a dispensation of grace. We're, we're the New Testament church. We have... Abundant grace and abundant mercy. The more sin abounds, the more grace abounds. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. But I'm a firm believer in God's plan. And in this age of the New Testament we live in, that there is a, there is coming a time when God will abandon those that refuse to believe. It's forthcoming. And we don't like to think about those things. In fact, uh, you know, I've, I've, done, I've done several funerals in the last few weeks, and it's served as a as a stark reminder to me. And uh, and as I, uh, I, you know, there's a lot of people around that seems like still passing away. And I read read all of these different obituaries that gets put up, and and I'm not I'm not judging anybody, and I by no means do I want to make anybody. <clears throat> any more discouraged or depressed about losing a loved one than there already are. But 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 when you read an obituary or you walk through a cemetery and you read all the headstones, you're we are led to believe that everybody that dies goes to heaven. But that's really not the case. That's really not the case. So let me get back to the scripture. So God abandoned them to whatsoever shameful things their hearts desired. He will let you do what you want to do. And as a result they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Lustful sin. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself who is worthy of eternal praise. And Paul concludes that with Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against their natural way to have sex. Instead indulged in sex with each other. 
And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty that they deserved. I want you to go to another verse of Scripture now found in 2 Timothy chapter 3. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, we find that Paul, the same writer, same person, writing a different letter to a different person, different group of people, said this. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful and unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. Always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janez and Jambres opposed Moses, so also all of these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds, who as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. I want to preach to you this morning along the lines of there's more to meet the eye. First, I want to share with you that this is... Not necessarily a message against certain people, nor is it a message directed to certain people groups. What I want to preach to you this morning is a message that pertains to (coughs) the end times that we're living in. What I want to preach to you is a message concerning what's going on behind the scenes more than we probably have noticed Or even care to realize. A number of years ago, uh, actually a long time ago, there's a a term that came uh, introduced into the world. It was the term narcissism. Narcissism in itself can be traced back to the Grecian Empire. And then in the early 1900s, narcissism began to be acknowledged as a personality trait or a personality disorder. Over the last decade, since and since the 1980s, and especially the la- and in the last decade, the outlook of narcissism has has went up, and then it has come back down. In the 1980s, narcissism disorder began to come uh, a very familiar diagnosis, and we begin to hear a lot about it. We still hear a lot about narcissism today. I use the word quite often myself. However, beginning last year in 2021. Psychologists and mental health experts begin to, uh, if you would, to divert away from the term narcissism. Uh, they begin to rethink narcissism. You see, narcissism in itself is defined as an excessive interest 
in or an admiration of one's self and their physical appearance. In other words, it, it could be defined as being conceited. The psychology uh, experts, the, from the psychologist standpoint, they define narcissism as being selfishness, involving a sense of entitlement, a lack of empathy, and a need for admiration as characterizing a personality type. Over the last five to ten years, this mental health disorder uh, has has ranged in, in this country we live in, in particular. Uh, some experts have said one in 200 people suffer narcissism. Others have said one in 25 suffer narcissistic personality disorder. But going back to this last year in 2021, the psychology experts uh, now claim that that narcissistic disorder, NPD, narcissistic personality disorder, has been grossly over-diagnosed. They said there's really not a disorder there at all, a mental disorder. But actually what we have happening around us is nothing more (coughs) than an overwhelming society that is consumed and overcome with greed and self-centeredness. Rather than a mental, true mental disorder. So maybe narcissism is not as prominent in reality as we think it is. I don't, if you're suffering from NPD, I'm not trying to, to, to criticize you. I'm not trying to press you down. I, you know, I, in my mind, in my way of thinking, uh, uh, I, I think, uh, I think some way about, you know, sometimes we see Children that uh, that that are diagnosed ADD, and, and I'll, I'll tell you, I was probably ADD when I was a child. My mama had a cure for ADD. It was called a pink fly swatter that hung up beside the kitchen window. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think they, I think there's some ADD going on. I think the cure ADD might be going around. About you get you can have this ADD attack, and by the time Dad gets that belt slid out of his belt loop. ADD attack can be over in just a split second of time. I'm a firm believer in that. I don't think you should abuse them, but I think we can correct them and do it in the right way. Spare the rod and spoil the child. You see, so so the whole thing of narcissism, the whole thing of narcissism, that now they're looking at it and say, well, it's not really as uh, a big a mental problem, a mental disorder, as we once thought. It's more a, a, a thing of... We've become greedy and self-centeredness. And your experts, your science, is saying that. Now, when we look back, this is nothing new because when we search back through the Bible, we find all kind of selfishness, if you would. Some would say they were narcissistic, but it's selfish-driven. We can think about David. David wasn't satisfied with his own wife. David wanted the wife of some other guy named Uriah. And he sinned with that woman. And it even caused him to take Uriah's life. And later, he would lose a son that he had with that wife, Bathsheba. We can think of uh, of another selfish uh, couple. We can think about a guy named Ahab that had a, had a, a really bossy wife. Her name was Jezebel. And, 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 and Ahab wanted a vineyard that belonged to a guy named Naboth, but Naboth said, no, I don't want to sell it because this is my family heritage. This is what's belonged to my family. And Jezebel says, well, you're the king. You should do it. And, and 
And it costs Naboth his life. And he, he takes that vineyard through selfish conceit. He gets it through ill-doing. Another guy that he, he could have had anything he wanted. He asked for wisdom. His name was Solomon. But but in the end, when you read when you read the books of Solomon, when you read the third chapter of Solomon, you end up that it comes down to the end of his road. And he said, I realize all of the stuff I've done. He had everything he could possibly want. Listen, he, you know, in, in our time, he had bay liners, he had bass boats, he had pontoon boats, he had Ferraris, he had, he had, uh, Lamborghinis, he had 34 Fords, he had, he had Harley Davidsons, he had, uh, he had, you know, he had all the stuff that we sometimes want. But when it came down to the end of his life, Solomon said, I look around at everything I've got. He said, in all of its vanity of vanities, he said, it's absolutely meaningless. Another example I can think of in the, in the scripture was a, a rich young ruler. And Jesus says to this rich young guy, he says, he says, all you've got to do to follow me is sell what you have, give it to the poor, and come on and follow me. And the Bible says that young man went away sad. Because he couldn't let go. He he was driven by selfish motive. He was driven by greed. And then there was a fellow named Judas. And we know him very well, especially as we get towards the Easter time of year. And, and no doubt part of what drove Judas to betray the Christ was that his love of money. He was he carried the money bag. So we find that selfishness is very much a part of humanity ever since. Practically it began. Paul addresses that when we go to Romans chapter 2. In Romans chapter 2, Paul said in verses 7 and 8, To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. Let me read that again. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. You see, being, being selfish, being self-centered, being greedy, if you would, is not an attribute at all that God desires us to have. In essence, we find that that selfishness produces heathenism when you study not only Scripture, but when you study leaders of the world. Leaders, corrupt leaders, probably the most corrupt leader in, 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 most, in our most recent years to us would be that of, of German leader, Nazi leader Adolf Hitler. It was his greed. It was, it was his desire to be in control that pushed him and drove him into the evils that he carried out. You see, and for me and you, it was selfishness two years ago that caused us to go buy up all the toilet paper. Some of y'all still got it sticking around in your house. Some of you probably followed my direction and did what I told. I told some of you to freeze it that it would last longer. Some of y'all may still have toilet paper in your freezer. It's selfishness that caused us to line up at the gas station in many cases. It's selfishness that caused fights to happen right there in the gas parking lot. The other week when it snowed and they said it was going to be, this was going to happen and that was going to happen. Sarah and I went to the gas station because we were out of gas and it took us 45 minutes to get gas. 
one guy in front of us filled up two vehicles and filled up approximately 10 five-gallon cans. He had them in the front seat, the back seat, the back hatch. He had them anywhere he could stick a can of gas. He had them. We are people that are driven by selfishness. Did you know, did you know that selfishness is quite frankly the leading contributor to drug abuse? People that, people are, that are addicts, they are thinking more about their self than they are anybody else. They don't care what they're doing to their family. They don't care what they've done to their home. They're, they're not worried about those things. Did you know that selfishness is the leading cause of, of, of crimes such as robbery, such as extortion, organized crime? Do you, do, you, do you know this selfishness is behind all of those things? Selfishness robs people of their empathy. You don't, when, when selfishness overtakes us, we, don't, we, we, we tend to not have regard for anyone but ourselves. No regard for anyone around us. Selfishness causes us to lose our empathy and we have no regard for those that we come in contact with. A manifestation of heathenness is the result of selfishness. But here's the thing. The heathen ways of, we, when we think about like Ahab and Jezebel, and we begin to think about the wicked kings that we read of in the Bible, that heathenism is not only applied in that day, but it still applies today. Selfishness causes good people to live lives that they ordinarily wouldn't live. Selfish cause, causes people to make decisions in life that are not the best in their spiritual walk. Selfishness causes people to lose out on their relationship with God. In this end time that we're living in, and I'll wrap this up as quick as I can, so stay with me. In the end, end time... There, there's three, there's a threefold attack that is coming in the, in these last days. It's biblical, and I think we can quite honestly assess it. It, could it go beyond three? Yes, it could, but for the sake of this morning, I'm preaching on a threefold attack that is coming against the church. Not just the church, but also against the world. The first attack is on that of the, the person, the individual. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about that, that, you know, we hear in the, in the last time you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. I know Nathan, uh, spoke a lot, uh, quite a bit last week concerning, you know, what we're seeing going on around us. We just came out, of, we just came home yesterday from our annual minister summit and, and even in the minister summit, the, the, the focus of the minister summit was pastors. Where do we go from here? How do we pick up after all of this? Now, starting into the third year, how do we pick up after this pandemic? How do we progress? There's many conspiracy theories about the, the pandemic. I don't know that any of them are true, but I don't know that any of them are false. It was something that no doubt we we can come to the conclusion. It was designed in a lab. It was designed by human hands. But what, why would somebody create? Why would somebody create such a thing? Why would somebody create such a virus? I mean, isn't this something like 
those of you that are my age, isn't this something like what we used to watch in the movies? We used to pay $2.50 to go see the movies about, you know, science, science, sci-fi, science fiction or some kind of horror movie where something was created that starts wiping out the world. Could it be for population control? Could it really have been germ warfare as some uh, conspiracy theories have it? I don't know. I can't say that it is, but I can't say that it isn't. Maybe it's about population reduction. You see, people are unique. People, and I'll elaborate more on this in just a few minutes, but understand, out of everything, everything God created, and listen to me, listen to me, those of you that love animals, love dogs and cats, I don't have a problem, especially with dogs, but I don't have a problem, you know, I don't have a problem with cats as long as they stay off of my front porch. Praise God. Get off of my front porch and my car. But listen to me. I've got news for you. Dogs don't go to heaven. Cats don't go to heaven. Pigs don't go to heaven. Goats don't go to heaven. None of those things go to heaven. The only thing that has a living soul, the only thing that is made eternal in God's creation is humanity. That's me and that's you. When God made us, and I love, I always, when I talk about this, I think about Nathan. When we were in Honduras, Nathan gets that, Nathan's teaching all these children and he gets down and he draws in the dirt, a man named Adam, and he tells the kids how that God took dirt and he made this man. And then he gets to that part about breathing breath into Adam. And Vicky was standing in this, on the sideline there with us. She said, if he sticks his mouth in this dirt, I am going to die. He didn't do it. But you know what? God breathed His breath, His pneuma, His spirit into us as humanity. God didn't do that to anything else. Little Fluff, Fido, Rojo the pet rooster, Porky the pet pig. Nothing else. No, no other creation on the face of the earth did God breathe His breath into except for humanity. And humanity, in the, when we read the Scripture, became a living soul. There's a part of you and a part of me that is eternal. Are y'all going to bear with me? i got to get through this. So there is an attack on humanity by the devil unlike any other thing that God made in His creation. Because because when humanity, we are breathed in by the breath of God. We are living souls. We have a will. God gave us a conscious will to make decisions and to calculate things and to determine things. God made us different than anything else. And in that He made us different than anything else, there is nothing that can worship God. The rocks may cry out. The wind may, the trees may wave their limbs in the winds as they blow, but there is nothing that can praise God, not even the angels of heaven. There is nothing that can praise God quite like humanity that has been redeemed from out of the sin curse of the earth. There is nothing that can praise God quite like man. Therefore, 
Because we are created in His likeness, in His image, He has breathed breath into us and we have a choice of whether to praise Him or not to praise Him. Let me tell you, the devil hates humanity because he knows that when we praise God, we get His attention because He adores our praise. Stay with me. So, wouldn't it seem logical that if Satan wants to destroy the praise that's going up to God, the most logical way to destroy that is to destroy humanity. It's to destroy humanity. This message again is not about topics per se, but it is about end time. Through the years, we've heard it. We've heard so much about it in recent years. And just a few Sundays ago was actually, we actually found ourselves, uh, you know, uh, acknowledging, if you would, right to live, right to life. Do you see the, the ill of abortion? The ill of abortion is if, 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 if God can, you know, if the devil can kill people, if he can kill, kill you and me, but, you know, okay, he, let, let's say someday we're all going to die, but uh, AK, how old are you, AK? How old are you? 82? 83. 83 years. Okay, if, if the devil could kill AK right now, he still had 83 years to praise God. But out of the voice of the womb, if the enemy could kill out of the voice of the womb before the baby is ever born, you see, then he he is destroyed. He is destroyed a praise. He is destroyed. The World Health Order, uh, the World Health Organization, in their latest information, they estimate, they estimate because we don't, they don't have records of all, but they estimate that between 40 and 50 million abortions are happening every single year. That's 120 5,000 abortions per day. That's 125,000 that will never praise Jesus in the capacity that we know you see, so so the harm of abortion is not that a child just doesn't get to live, but but in the spiritual sense, if the enemy can convince us that there's there's no there's no worth to fetal tissue, there there is really no life until birth happens. I, I, I know of a situation where a, a young woman had a pair, a set of twins just several months ago. And as she had that tw- those twins several months ago, they were premature. They had a lot of issues. And the doctor actually said, what we need to do is just go ahead and give birth and then we will let them die. She said, oh no. She said, oh no. She said, we're going to do whatever we can do and we're going to take care of those babies. And I want to tell you something now, we're eight months later and both of those babies, they still got some medical issues going on, but the doctor said there wasn't no hope. We're just going to let them born, be born and let them die right there on the table. But thank God somebody had enough faith. They believe where there's life, there's hope and they didn't accept what a doctor wanted to do and they gave birth and those babies are doing well today. Maybe they'll preach the gospel someday. Who knows? But you see, abortion is an act of selfishness. And you could be in this room and you could 
had an abortion. And I want to tell you something. If you have, or if you're watching and you've had an abortion, young lady, or maybe you're an older lady that made that decision early in your life. Let me tell you something. There's room at the cross for you. God forgives you. God, and don't worry too much about that baby. I believe that somehow, some way, if you maintain your integrity with God and you enter into a right relationship with Christ, someday you may very well get to behold that baby and, and, and know it. I don't know how all that's going to work. I'm not going to say that I do. But listen, don't give up hope. But just understand, if you're a young woman and you're listening to this message right now and, and, and that thought of abortion has come through your mind, don't do it because the enemy would just like to destroy one more voice that could praise God. He would like to destroy one more voice that could preach the gospel. He would like to destroy one more voice that could cry out in the wilderness. The second, the second thing that the enemy would like to destroy in these last days, I believe there's an attack on the family. There's an attack on people, individuals. But there's an attack on the family. Understand with me again. I'm not necessarily preaching on particular groups of people. I'm not preaching on any certain person. But what I am preaching on is what lies under the surface. You know, sometimes we look at things and we say, well, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is if you see a, if you see a hundred foot iceberg on a hundred foot protruding out of the sea, it's a thousand feet that goes below the sea. It's much bigger. Listen, sin is much bigger than you ever intend for it to be. I can promise you that. The, that little thing that you think, oh, it's going to be okay. I, I'm, I, I can handle it. I can get by with it. Listen, there, and I'm not, I'm, again, I'm not preaching necessarily on things or so, but listen, there's not a drunkard that ever, that, that ever, uh, is now locked up in a facility or going through treatment or living on skid row, living in an alley. There's not a drunkard that gave up his or her life to cirrhosis of the liver ever intended for that to happen. That was not their plan. That was not their goal in life. An addict that, that lost everything they have and now their life's messed up. Their mind won't even work right anymore because they burn it up with drugs and abuse. They never intended for that to happen. I can promise you that. You see, the enemy, he, he wants to destroy families. And it's not about certain sins or certain people groups. But this morning I am going to touch on some things that we see happening in our society that lets us know it's the end time. You see, in the attack of the family, we live in a, we live in a world, the U.S. is no longer excluded. The, the United States of America has followed the, the, the pathway of the Europeans. And in the, in the, in the United States right now, listen, if you're in here and you're a single parent, I love you and I'm not criticizing you for being a single parent. In fact, we love you. I, I would love to see us sometime have single, uh, some single parent ministry, something going on. And if you're, if you're interested, hey, come and pull on my coattail and let me know, hey, pastor, I'm interested in it. It has nothing to do with that at all. But do you want to, do you realize that right now in America, single parenting has become an epidemic. Not only in America, but in the world. 
Now, I, 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 I give kudos to those that are raising your children by yourself. I give you, I give you kudos. I say, I, I say, great that it's, you're, you're stepping up to the bar and you're doing what you can to raise your kids. But listen to me, what I'm saying to you is, but let's not be blinded to the reality that what Satan wants to do is to destroy the family unit in America. Not only in America, but this thing goes bigger than us. It goes in the world. Because if Satan can destroy the family unit, he's also impacted the church, which we'll get to just shortly. So realize this, while we're living, I I heard a statistic not long ago that said in McDowell County, the neighboring county, just over in McDowell County, that 85% of the children in McDowell County are being reared by somebody other than their natural birth parents. Thank God somebody will step up. Grandmas, grandpas, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents, total strangers. Thank God there's people that will step up to do it. But understand what I'm saying to you is God intended for there to be a family. He told Adam and Eve to come together and to be fruitful and to multiply. God established the family unit. It's nothing wrong with being a single parent. I'm not saying that to you at all. But what I'm saying to you when we look at what's happening around us and the increase and the magnitude that it's happening in then we must realize that That the enemy is at work trying to destroy the creation and design of God. You see, there's a problem in, there's a problem especially in America, but other parts of the world, in particular the UK. It's the dying, it's a dying institution. You think, well, he's going to say the church. No, no, no. It's the dying institution of marriage. It's the dying institution of marriage. In America right now, it's, it's, it's somewhere between 39 and 40% of Americans view marriage as being outdated and irrelevant. But I want you to know this. God instituted marriage. He, he even, Jesus put his blessing in it, you know, in Galilee. You know, he turned to water, he did his first miracle at a wedding. God, marriage is good. Now, you need to be careful of who you marry. You need to be not just careful, but you need to be prayerful. But understand this. And if you're in this room, if you're watching, and, and you're living in a uh, common habitation and you've never been married, I want you to know we love you and we appreciate you. You're welcome here. We will pray for you. We will pray with you. But I do want you to understand with me that God intended for the family to be joined together in marriage. Because when the family is not joined together in marriage, there is less opportunity For the family unit to remain intact. And there is less opportunity because there is not a covenant relationship. Let me go on. We're talking about the attack on the family. Another attack on the family is found in transgenderism. 1.4 million Americans at the beginning of this year, which was just a few weeks ago. 1.4 million Americans said that they were transgender are they confused are they misled 
what is going on in their life. But understand with this, because of, because of transgenderism, there is a great failure in these people to complete the Word of God and to follow through with the plan that God designed that for this reason a man shall leave his mother and father and, 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 he, and he shall marry his wife and, and she shall marry him and they're going to be fruitful and they're going to multiply and, and they're going to replenish the earth. They're going to inhabit the earth. People are going to be born that can worship me and praise me and give me glory and give me honor. You see, the enemy wants to suppress that. And when people are given over to transgenderism, it just does just that. They're confused. They don't have children. Very very few people are, are in, in comparison to years ago, are having children in the day and age that we live in. The other thing that, that happens in, in our world today and, and, and is, is a direct attack against the family unit. And I'm not attacking people or groups of people here. But I am identifying this as an attack against the family unit is bisexual and homosexuality. There's some places in the world, again, I'll, I'll mention the United Kingdom, the UK. The UK now, 60% of the, of, the, of the population of the United Kingdom identify with either being bisexual or homosexual. In this very room, a number of years ago, the general overseer, general superintendent of our denomination stood right down here and, and, and he presented in his message that, that part of a, a, a large portion of the sin of homosexuality and bisexuality is it, uh, a, a, two men or two women, two of the same gender cannot reproduce. And if we can't reproduce, we can't keep what God has given us to do. And you see, the sin is, 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 it goes deeper than just looking and saying, well, man should be a man, a woman should be. It goes deeper than that because what is happening is, it, it, it is, it is a, it is a move and it's often again, it's driven by selfishness because it's about what I want, about what I think, and about what I need and what I, I want for myself. I want to be happy whether anybody else is happy or not. And we begin to think about, and what happens is it's destroying the family unit. Because the family unit can't advance. Stay with me just for a minute. You see, so the tactic of Satan is to destroy through abortion or prevent the inability of man to produce through sexual vices or or transgenderism or homosexuality or whatever you want to put in that category. The tactic of Satan is to cause creation to not create. In a September 11th, 2019 article of Our World in Data, in that publication it is reported that the world is quickly approaching a tipping point. That tipping point is actually where the birth rate falls below the death rate. That was in 2019. We've since been through this pandemic. What I'm saying to you, preacher, what are you, what are, what are you, what are you getting at here? What are, what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is the world, and yes, I know there's, there's billions and billions of people in the world, but, but we're at a tipping point when, when we find that the, the, the birth rate of new individuals being born is less than the people dying. 
Now, it may take generations. It could take centuries. It, it could take thousands of years. But what I'm saying to you is this. Because of the, the perversion and the thought processing and the thinking of humanity, and I believe it all comes from the deceitfulness of Satan, the world is about to pivot and become in a, in a major, if you would, it may take again years and years and years, but the world is shifting to a decline. And if you would... And extinction. Extinction. We could be like the dinosaur someday. Humanity could fail to be on the face of the earth. Now, I know all things are possible with God. But do you understand with me what I'm saying this morning? It's Satan's tactic. His motive is to destroy the creation that God breathed his breath into. And the creation that brings him praise. Man is the only creation that is infused with the breath of God. And we have been filled with the Holy Spirit. And we have been made in God's image. And we have God's breath. We are a threat to Satan just by simply being human beings. He despises every man, every woman, every boy and girl. And he knows, he knows that the Lord has told us, let everything has breath. Let them praise the Lord. And if he can destroy humanity, if he can destroy the creation, don't you ever think that he won't. I'm in overtime. Hang with me. Third thing. He wants to destroy the person. He wants to destroy the family unit. The third thing is, he wants to destroy the church. Now, most of us in this room, when we think about church, we think about a building. I'm not thinking so much about a building as I am the congregation or the congregating of people. This final attack is on the church. Nine out of ten congregations in America right now are in decline. The COVID pandemic because of people that, that once went to church and they were going to church, but they, they became dislodged from the church during COVID and now they, they're, they have never returned. Their statistics say there's a good chance that many of them will never return. But the church, church attendance, what, what is the church attendance right now in the average trend of decline shouldn't have occurred until about 2025. But the pandemic opened the doorway for people to make their exit. And if you're listening to me this morning and you made your exit, you need to trim your lamp, get it burning, and you need to get yourself back in church, whoever you are. Nine out of ten congregations are in decline. A generation ago, a generation ago, the normal for a family was to attend worship service and discipleship together multiple times a week. Two times. Sunday morning, Sunday night. Or maybe Wednesday night. Three times. A generation ago. That has deteriorated. That deteriorated to once a week. Now the now it uh, it's gone to twice per month. In Barnes 2020 survey, Barnes 2020 survey, the concept of faithful attendance in the American church has slipped to less than one time a month. Practicing believers, people that identify themselves as practicing believers, oftentimes only go to church. A majority of people only go to church twice a year. Now, is church my salvation? No, it's not my salvation. 
But it is a big part of my salvation. And, and, and is it going to keep me? Well, it, only Jesus can keep me, but the church sure can't help scotch me up. You see, 10% of Americans, 10% of Americans right now have set in this Barna poll said, as far as they're concerned, every church in America could be closed and it wouldn't be missed because it has no place in society. That 10% doesn't sound like much until you start taking that number of people out of the, doing the math and taking it out of the population of the United States. The scripture is very clear that their power in numbers, especially in unified numbers, numbers that come together in fellowship, a predator such as a lion, a wolf, or a hyena, a hyena is the deadliest whenever it's found a sheep that's away from the rest of the flock, or a calf that's strayed away from the rest of the herd. Listen, when a, a sheep or a calf or, or some other, or, or a little baby chick that's got away from the, 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 mom, the mother hen or a little duckling that's got away from the mother duck, the predator will not attack the community, but it will attack the straggler. It will attack the one that has separated itself. Thank God you're here this morning. And thank God that, that, that you're, you're here in the family. And, and maybe you haven't been for a long time, but thank God you're here this morning. But if you're out there watching this morning by live and you've become separated from the family, you better watch out. There's hyenas, there's wolves, there's predators out there. And while you're out there wandering around by yourself, there's eyes watching. You have become prey. So there's more than what meets the eye. There's more than what meets the eye. But here's what I want. I don't want to leave you on a down note. Because what I've done preached to you, man, that sounds almost depressing. That sounds, that sounds terrible. What kind of shape is our world really in? What, what really is happening in our world? What, what is taking place? Man, this sounds so awful. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. But when we go to what Jesus said in Luke's gospel, he said there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. Nathan, get that. I just want to speak the name. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what's coming on the world. Don't that sound like us right now? Apprehensive of what's coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud. Somebody, somebody ought to be say, somebody ought to have your hands up right now, saying, "Thank you, Jesus." And, and at that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power. Not only with power, but He's going to be coming in great glory. And when these things begin to take place, can you say when they begin to take place? When these things begin to take place, stand up. Lift up your heads. Because your redemption is drawing nigh. Listen to me. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world. 
The one that has come to kill, steal, and destroy. He's attacking people. He's attacking families. And He is attacking the church. They all three are intertwined. I want you to know that. But thank God, He can only do what He that now lets will let go until He be taken out of the way according to what Paul said. And there is a day coming when we'll look up into the heavens and there stepping into the portals of glory will be the Son of God. He will be on a white horse. He'll have a vesture on. And He will call that's painted in blood. And He will call us to come and join Him. You see, I want you to know, what we see right now is just the tip of the iceberg. We're not seeing everything that's about to come or will come. And what we see in this world right now, even in the glory of the Lord that we behold, it's no way compares to His glory. In fact, the Scripture says that right now that we look with a glass darkly, a piece of metal that has been smoked, a distorted image of what heaven's going to be like. But when Jesus comes back, we'll get to see Him in His fullness. We'll get to behold heaven in all of its glory. And we will get to be with Him in the air. So we haven't seen the tip of the, just the tip of the iceberg. The, what's before us is much larger and much bigger than we could ever imagine. So don't give up hope. If I've got on your toes today, bless God, we love you, but it's up to you to do something about it. If we've got into some territory in some way in your life, only you can get a hold of God and say, God, and let me tell you, He is faithful and just to forgive you of every sin. He is faithful and just to cast every sin no matter what it be. He can cast it as far as the east is from the west. It's put in a sea of forgetfulness as we say. Never to be remembered against you anymore. So if you've been offended. Let the offense serve you in good. And find yourself repenting before a merciful God. Find yourself repenting. Before the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here and you say, man, preacher, I've been faithful. I'm not got caught up in any of these things of the world. I might be a little bit of sale. I might bought, I might bought too much toilet paper two years ago, but I'm going to use it all. I, I, I might have blocked up the gas line when I really didn't need to. But listen, we can still repent. We still need to repent of our selfishness, but understand this. What is happening in the world right now gives us reason to rejoice. And be glad because God has not forgotten us. He has not forgotten us. He is coming back for us right now with heads bowed and eyes closed as they begin to sing. I wonder in this room, is there one person in this room that says, Preacher, I need to get saved. I realize I'm created in God's image and His likeness. And today, I want to make my way back home. I want to make my way to Him. Is there one person in this room that says, Preacher, I need to get saved today. Or I need to rededicate my life. Is there one? Is there one in this place?